Derek, Derek, Derek. Diamond, Diamond, Diamond. Experience! Hey everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Derek Diamond Experience podcast. The day is Monday, May 12th, 2014, episode 9, I want to say, and I, of course, am your host, Derek Diamond. Today, I'm coming to you from the beautiful Pensacola Bayfront Stadium, home of the Blue Wahoos, the AA affiliate of the Cincinnati Reds, which I've explained on this show, this is also where I work during the day. And it's kind of funny that I'm doing this week's podcast, not just my intro, but the interview from the stadium, because probably half of these shows I've done from here. As you know, the first two, the first being with uh, Adam Waldron from the Unicorn Wranglers, that was recorded here. The next episode with Tommy Thrall, head broadcaster, that was recorded here. And even some of the ones I've done over Skype have been recorded here because this, and you'll hear in my interview, this is quite a demanding job a good bit of the time. It's you get, you put a lot of hours in, and it's one of those things that you really have to love to be able to withstand it and not just completely flip out. But this week, I will be interviewing one of my fellow trainees and co-workers and someone who, over the past few weeks, I've got to know a little bit better and happy to call a friend of mine, Joey Trincali, who grew up in Virginia and ended up here in Pensacola working with us at the Blue Wahoos. He is the broadcast trainee for Tommy Thrall, and you'll get to hear a lot of what he has to do uh, behind the scenes, not just calling a game, but he does a lot to get ready for a game. And it's being a trainee can be it can be pretty stressful at times because leading up to a game, there's just so much that you have to do that a lot of people really don't realize. So you'll get to hear that. And the cool thing about Joey is he actually has quite a big variety of interest besides sports. I mean, yeah, we talk about sports a good bit, but also there are movies, uh, Broadway musicals that I wasn't really expecting, but he's... He's a very fun guy. You get to hear a lot about his, uh, like when he went to college at Virginia Tech. There's just, he's he's had, for someone that's as young as he is, he's had a pretty eventful life, it seems like. So I will quit blabbering for now and turn it over to the Joey Trincali interview. Joining me this week is my coworker, friend, and fellow trainee with the Pensacola Blue Wahoos, broadcast trainee Joey Trincali. What's going on, Joey? Nothing much. Thanks for uh, having me on. I feel like I'm the, almost the last one in the office now <laughs> to come on the show. Uh, there's there's still a couple of more that I have in mind, so we'll see how that happens or how that works out. <laughs> hint, hint to the person sitting behind me. <laughs> but I'm honored. I'm honored oh, to be on the no, show. No, it's, it's, it's fun. It's going to be fun. Uh, first thing I want to ask you, you're from Virginia, correct? Correct, yeah. I, although, I don't know, and normally if I, I'm going to tell people that I'm from Virginia, I do specify and say Northern Virginia and or a little bit outside of D.C. because, I don't know, it's probably going to come off, <laughs> it's going to come off snobby, but I feel like Northern Virginia and the rest of Virginia are two fairly different places and you could, there's, 
a lot of dissimilarities between them, I guess you could say, and and living both in Northern Virginia and then going to school in Virginia Tech down in Southwest Virginia, I can safely say that they're fairly different <laughs> in terms of demographics and in terms of you know, political ideologies and along those lines in terms of urbanization and whatnot. So I always say Northern Virginia, uh, just to, to clarify, or I say, you know, I'm a little bit outside D.C. <laughs> so what town in Northern Virginia? I'm from Herndon. So it, like I said, it's about, it depends on the day in terms of traffic, about 30, 45, hour and a half, two hours from D.C. <laughs> it just kind of depends. Um, it's kind of, it's a smaller t- town in Fairfax, Virginia, which is, uh, one of the bigger counties, yeah, um, in really like everywhere. If you're talking about just county wise in terms of the United States, it's a huge, huge county. Um, and yeah, so Herndon's my little slice of life, though, in, in Fairfax County. Oh, that's cool. You said you went to Virginia Tech. Did you like grow up a Virginia Tech fan? Yeah, you know my my mom went there, but my love of Virginia Tech didn't start until my sister actually went there. My sister's freshman year coincided with Michael Vick's freshman year at mm-hmm. Virginia Tech, or his, I guess it would have been his redshirt freshman year when he went to the national championship. So you could you could see how an impressionable young kid who likes sports a lot, whose sister just, who, you know, his big sister just went off to college, mm-hmm. could possibly fall in love with the school if the first thing he remembers is an undefeated season going to the national championship game and having one of the most exciting uh, college football players ever play yeah. for the team. So naturally, that was kind of when it happened. And then from then on, it was like, it, you know, I, I had a lot of friends because Northern Virginia is still pretty big in Virginia Tech, Maryland, UVA, all those colleges are pretty well represented up there. But I really wasn't the guy that was like, I'm, I'm going to Virginia Tech no matter what. Because I, I knew a lot of people that, you know, from you know, whenever the eight years old or whatever, they were like, I'm going to Virginia Tech. And I kind of kept my options open for a really long time. Right. Um, but, but that, but I always, I mean, I was watching and rooting for Virginia Tech football and basketball from, you know, 10 on. And so, mm-hmm. and so I had, you know, hokey things and I didn't really have to change my wardrobe or anything oh, that's like good. that. That's um, always a plus. Yeah, exactly. But I, I don't know. It was, I, I did. I loved the school. And when I was visiting schools, it felt the, the homiest. You yeah. know, it was uh, immediately I could see myself there. And I didn't exactly know what I wanted to do going into school. So I think it was important for me to be somewhere bigger um, just so, you know, in case I wanted to change up what I was going to do, yeah. I could I could do that easily instead of being like, oh, I probably should transfer schools now, which is tough. Yeah, but that's cool that is. Like your family school, you said your sister went there, and you said your mom went there. Too. It is, it is, it's really, and actually my uncle went too, so I don't leave him out. But <laughs> it is cool because you know they understand, they, everyone understands, and even my dad now is a part of it because he went through with my sister and right. with me, and and so you know even he kind of calls Virginia Tech home at the same time now. So it's nice because everyone understands, and they and they know how you feel about the school and they know like wh- what kind of school it is and, and how special it can be. Um, so I, I do, I like that part of it. Um, and the, honestly, it was pretty great because 
I didn't have family that were pressuring me to go there or anything like that, which I know could happen. I could definitely see myself doing that. Um, <laughs> but, but I don't know. They were great about that aspect of it. They wanted me to look everywhere and make sure I, I felt right about certain places. The one thing I say about tech is that I visit a lot of places, big and small. And the thing I noticed about some of the bigger places is that they felt big. Mm-hmm. And tech, to me, never felt big. Which I think is cool. I think it's cool to have a school that is big, that has a large undergrad, 25,000. But when you really get down to the nuts and bolts of it, it feels like a pretty tight-knit school, which I think is tough to do because I remember visiting Ohio State, not to dig on Ohio State or anything like that, but you're driving through and you're driving through a highway. And you're coming up and you see and it says West Campus, East Campus. And you have to take two different exits. And it's like, wait a oh, second. Boy. <laughs> Like, wait, there's a highway dividing the school, and I got to go this way to get west. That's that's a little much. Exactly. So I always felt like tech was, it's big, and even the campus is big, but it's all right there. And it's all in, and it's kind of off the beaten path as well, which is nice. It's a college town, which Ohio State and Penn State are, but they just feel so large. Yeah. And so I like that about Virginia Tech, that even though it was big, it felt small, and I think that mm-hmm. for some people that's important, and for others it, it doesn't matter. But for me, it was important, and it was important to see you know people wearing maroon and orange walking around campus and being excited about their school. That was exciting. That was fun for me. Yeah. What were some of the other schools you visited besides Ohio State? Um, Penn State, like I said. Uh, actually, the closest I came, the other school was uh, Juniata, which is it's so funny. It's the tiny little... Uh, private school in Pennsylvania, like 6,000, I think, undergrad. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can't get anywhere opposite. I mean, yeah. it's it's as opposite as it gets. But um, my mom's a high school counselor, so she kind of has the ins on certain places. And I played volleyball in um, in high school and middle school. And they have a Division three team, and that was something I was also looking at. Not that I would have been able to make it, but they had a really good Division three team. So that was something that drew me to originally and then I went and I got a a pretty a pretty nice scholarship to go there and then I got an, an opportunity I didn't end up getting it but I had an opportunity actually interviewed to get a, a full ride there for just like um it's kind of a a, a theater a, a, almost like a creative service scholarship mm-hmm. and it could be anything you, you could be creative and whatever and mine was I did choir and theater and so those are what I focused on when I was telling them but you could send in art projects and you know graphic design whatever yeah anything creative um, That's so I awesome. was yeah so I was one of the finalists for that and I went up there and interviewed for that and visited the school and so that was a part of the decision making so those were kind of my final two but I always think this is pretty funny. I went up to Juniata. I do this interview. I had a great time. I really did. I liked it. It's so funny. You go to Virginia Tech and take a tour. You're with 25 other people. You go to Juniata. It's you and the tour guide. And that's it. And they take you around. And, like, I sat in on a class. Mm -hmm. They had me interact. Like, it it was very cool. But you could tell the stark differences between this tiny private school and Virginia Tech where – it's big there, but I had a great time. My parents and I drove up. We did the whole thing. I come home, and that night I get the email from Virginia Tech saying that I've been accepted. And it was just – and even then, I didn't know them, but even then, it was kind of like, oh, I think that's where I want to go. I think that's, yeah. I think that's me. 
and, and even though I love Juniata, but it was just that was a that was a pretty good day, I would say, in the yeah. life of Joey Trincali. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> so what you're in Virginia Tech, what makes you decide to want to go into sports broadcasting? Well, so for me, I started doing baseball play by play the summer before my senior year of high school. I worked with the Calvary Summer League is a wood bat league. You might know the Cape Cod League. That's a pretty famous wood bat league. Yeah. Um, the Calvary League is that, but a lesser version of it. Mm-hmm. Not as um, prestigious. Um, so I started doing that. My high school hosted one of the teams in the league, the Hernan Braves, and I started. And I knew the owner and the GM. So I got the opportunity to sort of shadow and work with the play-by-play broadcaster then. That was, again, the summer before my senior year. And then I did that for the next five years. So five summers, I guess I should say. So at that point, I sort of knew, I had an idea that that was something I was very interested in. Um, But I went to Virginia Tech and I was double majoring in communication with the idea of getting into broadcasting and and theater Mm -hmm. because I did theater um, throughout high school. And so, you know, first semester, I was busy, and I had a, I had a great time. I, I, I liked the theater program a lot, but I think eventually in there, I kind of knew that, one, I couldn't give my all to both things. I, yeah. couldn't, I couldn't be the best broadcaster or the best actor and do both. Because both think. jobs are very demanding. Yeah, and I know people that did both, but I, I just felt like for me, it, it was going to be really hard because if you want to do broadcasting, you need to be available – you know, to do things at yeah. night. If you want to do theater, you need to be ready to rehearse, you know, four or five nights out of the week. Yeah. And, and to give your all to both, I just felt like it was going to be tough. And and the, the aspiring actor thing to me, eventually, I just think I figured out that that was not what I wanted to do. Um, and I, I, I don't know, I think you have to have extreme self-confidence to say to yourself, I'm going to be able to make it in New York or L.A. or... yeah. You know, I think that's tough. I and, and you know, you you're interested in making movies and that, and I would say that they're very similar. I don't know if you would. I don't know if you could put even a, what what's more difficult to break in to try to be behind the scenes and and movies or try to be in. I mean, I don't think either of them is very easy. Yeah. So. Just for, the, the competition even is so tough. Yeah. And, and so, and people always make fun of me because now I want to do play-by-play broadcasting, and it's like, how much easier is that? It's not. So I don't know. Maybe I'm just being an idiot, but I think I figured out that that I wanted to focus on the sports broadcasting aspect. And even when I stopped majoring in theater, I didn't know for sure, but I was able to get into a a really good program at Tech where I was able to work with the radio broadcasters there, and that was important because if I didn't do that, I would be one, lost, two, not at all prepared, and, and three, just like a fish out of water once I graduated. And instead, I, I've been able to get a job, and I've been able to um, you know, learn under Tommy Thrall now, the voice of the Blue Wahoos, and that's important to, to continue on, really, your education in this kind of field never stops. And so the fact that, the fact that I found that program at Tech through um, the IMG Broadcasting through Virginia Tech was so important to me and mm-hmm. I, I don't know how people go to a, a school and, and and don't have guidance like that and make it in the next level because you have to know people and you have to 
you have to make contacts and you have to have people listening to you and critiquing you because there's there's better broadcasting schools even the ACC than Virginia Tech. I mean Maryland and Miami have great student broadcaster programs. They're yeah. fantastic. But to me <clears throat> it's more important that I was able to critique than I was able to do you know five games a week. Um, which is cool, but if they don't know if they're doing something wrong or right, you're going to get into bad habits. I mean, it's with anything else. So uh, that's that's kind of how that's kind of how I got there. I, I think I really knew it was during a summer doing a, a Hern and Braves game. You know, where it's the it's the dog days of summer, but you get to call a walk off home run. And, yeah, and you say to yourself, "Man, you know that's that's pretty fun. That's pretty exhilarating." So. I would consider myself lucky if I were able to do this for the rest of my life. But at the same time, I also don't think that, <clears throat> I don't know, I have I have a lot of interest, so I wouldn't be surprised if something else comes up and I change it up. <laughs> yeah. You said that you uh, started doing play-by-play in high school. Like if you, I take it you've always been a huge sports nut. Is there one that stood out to you over the other? I mean, was it baseball or were you just interested in sports in general? Well, for, uh, first Embarrassing story for everyone. Um, my old AIM um, instant messenger handle or whatever, did we call them handles back then? Screen name. Yeah, screen, screen name. name. Sorry. Yep. It was J92 Sports Freak. That's a good one. Still get made fun of for that all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. That's a good one. Hey, Adam. Hey, we're recording. Come on oh. in, man. Yeah. Sorry. Hey. I was wondering where you guys all went. <laughs> we're, we're playing hooky. Hey, hey, I clocked out. (laughs) Sorry, keep going. I I should just leave all this in. I think so. (laughs) Screw it, we'll do it live. (laughs) We'll do it live. I was like, I hear your voice, it sounds like Joey. (laughs) Where is this coming from? We're getting the life story of Joey Trincali. You're missing out. I am missing out. I thought you guys all went to lunch. I was like. Well, I'll see you guys tonight. All right. I'll just check my email. John's going to send back that, and we just need to get that to Daryl because. All right. All right. Later. See ya. See ya. Where were we? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Actually, I was going to ask you that. (laughs) Uh, Screen name. Screen name, right. Yeah, so that was embarrassing. That was J92 Sports Freak. And, oh, gosh. I do. I really, I honestly still get made fun of for that, so. Um,. So yeah, I was a pretty big sports guy, but the first the first sport I ever did play with play for was baseball. I don't know. I think there's something there's something great about baseball on the radio that just still plays. I mean, if you mm-hmm. listen to baseball or excuse me, football on the radio or basketball, like you find yourself getting frustrated. What's going on? What's happening? Baseball is the one sport where you can really give play by play, and you can feel like you're there, and you can. And it just, you know, something about 162 games and people still like to sit on the porch and listen to the radio and listen mm-hmm. to a baseball game. And that is still a plausible thing. Um, whereas, you know, football and basketball and hockey, they're, they're almost necessities. It's almost only if I'm going somewhere am I going to listen to the radio. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, for baseball, I mean, I know that I'll sit and just listen to a game instead of watching every once in a while just because... There's something great about listening yeah. to baseball. So I think that's what's called me to that. And there is a plethora of baseball jobs. There's mm-hmm. minor league baseball. There's lots of levels of minor league baseball. There's independent ball. There's collegiate. 
There's collegiate summer leagues. So there's a lot of things to get into with baseball, but I'm interested in a lot of things. I've never actually gotten to do hockey. That's something I'd like to get into. Um, I really enjoy calling for television broadcasts at, at Virginia Tech, soccer, which is kind of my first like really good sport mm-hmm. um, playing-wise. And then I, I enjoyed doing volleyball, which obviously I played. That was fun as well. Um, so, yeah, so I, I think that baseball – there's something great about baseball. The only thing bad about broadcasting baseball is I like sitting at home and watching baseball. <laughs> like I could sit at home and watch the, mm-hmm. my own team and then MLB Network or flip around on the you know MLB uh, package and watch a bunch of different games. I could do that all night, every night of the summer, just yeah. because I enjoy watching baseball and hearing other people call baseball that badly. So I don't know. I could see myself wanting to do a lot of different sports, but I think that... I could definitely, like, if I got my dream job and I could be a play-by-play radio broadcaster for a team for baseball, that would be pretty fantastic. <laughs> like the Nationals? Um, yes, I am. <laughs> I'm from D.C. I'm a, I grew up a Washington Nationals fan, but I don't want someone to listen to this one day and be like, hmm, we can't give him that Phillies job because he... <laughs> True, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. When... You watch baseball games on TV or listen to them on the radio. Do you find yourself analyzing the commentary? Yeah, uh, more so now than I didn't used to. I definitely didn't used to, but I, I definitely do now. And a lot of times because I, part of why I listen is to learn. Yeah. And so I'm constantly listening and saying, hmm, I like the way he does this, or I don't like the way this guy does that. And not to be on your high horse, but you kind of sit there and you're like, how oh, these these guys are professionals and they still make these same mistakes that sometimes I make. Obviously they're quite less frequent than, <laughs> and they're much more talented and better than I am at my point in my career. But yeah, I definitely will listen and I've got my favorite guys and this and that and the other thing. So I'll, I'll listen and find stuff that I like because other than listening to yourself and actually doing reps the way you get better is listening to other people and trying yeah. to take what they do. There's a reason why they're in their positions is because they're great at their jobs. And, you know, we work and similarly to, to what you do in a way and what we all do up here with the Wahoos up in the press box area is it's a job in which it's okay to take from other people. Yeah. It's okay to learn from them and, and try to do better with what you've learned from them. Um, so that, that's really important. If you're a play-by-play guy and you don't listen to other people, then you're, you're not going to be very good. <laughs> yeah, it's the same way with every job. Like when I worked camera last year, I started watching MLB games yeah. and I would study what they would do and just, you know, paying attention to the little details as far as, far as how you can get better because, and I said this in the interview with Tommy, if you don't want to get better at your job, if you're not constantly learning new things, then you have no reason to do it. Yeah, you might as well just move on. Yeah. You might as well find something new because... And and honestly, if you're not, someone's going to pass you. Yeah. I mean, we talk about that with minor league baseball all the time. There is someone gunning for your job at all time. Mm-hmm. There are plenty of people that would love to have... I mean, you know, I'm pretty, pretty low on the totem pole of, of jobs at this point. And there are a lot of people that would love to have my job. Yeah, because it's a foot in the door. Yeah, exactly. So if you're not constantly bettering yourself, someone's going to take it from you. I, I agree. It's in every job, but especially in something as competitive as 
play-by-play broadcasting, I think. Yeah. So when did you get the call that you got the job for the Blue Wahoos? I got the call middle of February. I pretty much had two weeks to get to get to Pensacola. Um, and it was a long process because I, I interviewed to a lot. I, or I, I sent my application in a lot of places at the end of December, right, right after I graduated from Virginia Tech. And here back until like the middle of January, I didn't interview until uh, close to probably yeah. I probably didn't interview till the to middle of January. I didn't feel like I had the greatest interview of all time, so I kind of thought that was it. <laughs> I thought that was, I thought I was done, and then I didn't get a another email even. I think for two and a half weeks saying mm-hmm. that I would have a peer interview. I was like, wow, I feel like that's a good sign. Why would they <laughs> why would they peer interview you unless they had some sort of interest? I still yeah. didn't think I and then I, I, I peer interviewed and then it was still about a week and a half, maybe two weeks. So the whole process was maybe about two months long. Um so I just I just didn't think that <laughs> I just didn't think that it it was gonna happen, but it was pretty uh it was pretty exciting to to have the opportunity to to get that phone call because when you're in this business you get a lot of no's. You hear a lot of people say that they don't want you before they do want you. Um and and that's just kind of the nature of this business. So for me to finally have someone say yes we want you, that was pretty exciting. Yeah. And it's not like a knock on me or, or anything like that. I mean, like I said, it's it's competitive, um, but just to, to finally, it's it's relie- it's relieving because yeah. someone finally says, you know, we think that you can do this. And, and honestly, it's hard. You know, there's a reason why the best athletes in the world are arrogant, and they have to be yeah. in a way because you have to tell yourself that I'm going to be the best at this. And sometimes that's difficult to constantly say to yourself you know i'm good enough to do this because it is competitive and and you and there's days that you know i have my doubts that i'm going to be able to go very far because it's difficult and you're, a lot of people are going to say no so i don't know i think that that was a that was a good day for me just because it was yeah you know it's a lot it's overwhelming because you're saying all right well you got to pick up and move um to somewhere that you don't really know much about and you're doing it and you need to be here in two weeks at a job that you've never had before. Good luck. So that was that was scary and it was, freaked me out for sure, but I think it was uh, important that I came here and I experienced this. This is an extremely, extremely good experience. You like it so far? Yeah, you know, I, I think that the longer you stay somewhere like Pensacola, the harder it is to to leave just because... It's pretty nice view here from the yeah. press box area. One, two, it's just different. It's so it's it is very. Um, you can tell that we live by a beach. I don't know if that sounds silly, but comparatively to very fast paced Northern Virginia, less so in Blacksburg, but at least the Northern Virginia, um, where you know your neighbors all work in the government and everyone's commuting and everything is let's go, let's go, we got to do this or whatever. Yeah, you can tell that this is. Uh, it's a little more chill here and that's kind of nice and i like i'm not like a huge beach guy but i like the beach feeling 
yeah. of living in Pensacola. And I, I'm definitely a guy who doesn't need to live like in a big city. So mm-hmm. I kind of like Pensacola because you have the city, quote unquote, but it's it's small, it's snug. Um, yeah. It's nice. So I, I do. I like it here, and I've I've really enjoyed working for the Blue Wahoos. And you know, when you've been when you've been calling sports for two years and doing school, the opportunity to just do what you love to do is pretty exciting. I mean, this is a job, no doubt, and it's a lot of work and it's exhausting. But the opportunity to just focus on your craft is pretty cool when you've been trying to focus on your craft and know that this is what you want to do, plus try to graduate. Yeah. <laughs> it's a different feeling just to be like, all right, cool. I can, I just am working on being a better play by play guy this week. Like, that's exciting. <laughs> yeah. So, take me through a day in the life of a broadcast trainee. What are, when you get to, when you get here, what do you need to do? Like, what's, what's your daily routine? I look up a lot of stuff. <laughs> I am in charge of looking up um, a lot of information. So one of the things I do is game notes, which is as exciting as it sounds. Um, it's pretty much, it's every day. It's essentially every day for the next, from, from the beginning of the season, for the, over the next 140 days, I have to do game notes every day. And so that's coming up with facts about the game, what's going on, giving information out finding statistics, knowing how many games we've won on the road, how many we've won on the at home, how many we've won when we've been leading before the seventh and trailing after the seventh, and this and that and the other thing, and there's lots of little minute stats, and you got to fill in what everyone's doing every day. Um, and so that is pe- – some people love game notes. I don't hate them yet, so I think that's a good thing. Other people hate the repetitiveness of it every single day. And it makes sense why a trainee would do it, but I don't hate them yet, so I think that's good. I don't. I'm not gonna pretend like I'm in love with game notes, <laughs> but I don't mind doing that. The thing about doing game notes is that it's like the ultimate preparation tool for you. Yeah, I, I would have to you know sit and prep for games back in college for a long time, and I still have to do my extra prep outside of what I do on a daily basis. But when you're doing two hours worth of game notes every day and figuring out what this guy does, you know, when a guy walks up, you already know that he's he has two hits when runners are in scoring position with two outs this year. And it's just in your head and it just sticks yeah. with you. So um, that's I think that would that, drive me crazy. Yeah, I don't know. I think a lot of people, it, it would... It would not be great to do that every day, but I don't. I haven't. I don't mind that yet. So that's that's a part of what I have to do every day, um, along with just coming up with what else do I do? I can, maybe, do I do anything else? <laughs> no, uh, I, I have to come up with you know putting lineups together, make sure um, we have those, make sure we have all of our stat packs together. So it's a, it's a lot of little things that. All of a sudden, it's 5 o'clock, and you're like, where did the day go? I guess I have yeah. to be ready for the game to start now. And so you know, other than that, it's about talking to the players and getting to know them more. Um, sometimes we're having to write stories up on a transaction that's taken place or just a regular story that maybe will go in the program. So writing is a big part. That's the one thing. I think if I went back to college um, I would have written for a newspaper or something. I don't know when I would have because time-wise I didn't have a lot of it, but writing is so essential for everything you do I, I write more now than I ever thought I would in this kind of job and so it's it's very important it's not you know it's not you know writing a book but it's just knowing how to 
to write efficiently and to be able to put your thoughts quickly. It, it's almost the ability to write quickly is more important for me than to write eloquently um, yeah. because you need to be able to put everything out in an efficient way, in a way that people can understand, do it fast, and, and move on, really. And obviously, writing is important for your broadcasting career, too, because when you get up to the bigger... I mean, if you're working on, you know, as an anchor, you're doing all your own writing, essentially. But if you're working in my position, you have to be ready to write for, you know, openings and the ends of games and sponsor reads and stuff like that. A lot of that times you're writing your own stuff from them and you're making sure they like it. So there's there's a lot of importance um, in terms of how well you can write at this job. But, but yeah, I'd say that's pretty much the job. And then, of course, you know, we call the game, which is sometimes almost an afterthought. <laughs> um, and then we have to, you know, talk to the players, make sure the media is happy, and then uh, write up a post-game recap. So we're, we're traditionally one of the last people out. Obviously, the grounds crew works extremely hard, and the, the food guys are, are yeah. here counting revenue. But when we leave, it feels like we're close to the last people here a lot of times just because – there's a lot that goes in afterwards, and you know if if you send out a recap that the score is three to two and you wrote four to two, you're be in a lot of trouble. So you want to make sure that that is all correct and right. Um, so yeah. that's that's definitely important. Yeah, it's crazy because, and I can kind of relate to this too. You do so much during the day that your actual job, like with you calling the game and me with you know just doing stuff in the press box, it almost becomes an afterthought. Yeah, I would agree completely. When the game starts, I could not I could not love it anymore. Yeah. It is fantastic. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I love the game because that's what I want to do. That's what I love doing. But if you're not prepared, then then that is I mean that's that. You're you're in trouble. I think one thing for a young broadcaster is the preparation. If you're not if you're not prepped you're going to get crushed because mm-hmm. you're going to say your three things in your first five minutes and you're going to have two hours left to broadcast or more most of the time. So you need to, you have to have everything laid out and you want to know what you, you have You have to know what you want to say. Um, and I don't know why I just got into a young broadcaster's thing, but another thing popped into my head. Um, and this has kind of come, I've, I've, started, I've read this before and, and actually talking to Adam, Waldron, um, creative service guru here at the Blue Wahoos. One thing I think is important is being yourself. Yeah. Because it, it's going to come through. So if you don't if you don't just act like you on the air, I mean, what's the point? Um, if you don't act like you, we're going to force it out of you anyway. Exactly. And, and, and you know what? Not everyone's the same. And people... And, yeah. And, you know, you want to emulate certain broadcasters. You want to do things a professional way, but I'm I'm sort of different, and I'm kind. Of, I can be goofy, and I can make dumb jokes, and this and that, and the other thing. And if I don't let that out, then it's yeah, the broadcast isn't me, and it's something else. So I think be, between being prepared and being yourself and knowing yourself, those are two really important things for once you get the game started, or or I guess before when you talk about the preparation. Yeah, it's like that that one call you made recently. I forgot who it was that hit the home run. I think it was Juan Silveria. Yeah, and you said, who cares about those statistics? That was a fantastic call. It was a very Joey Trincali call. It was, you know, and someone might look at it and they might laugh. 
I think I sent it to like my sisters and they thought it was hilarious and and but that's not a bad thing but yeah it, you know who cares if someone's gonna laugh yeah if, you know if if you take yourself too seriously in a job like that it's gonna get boring yeah you know especially if you have a team that's losing um you know you can't you you can't you spend have to you have to make the games. job fun yeah you can't spend 140 games being down and, and reading statistic after statistic or whatever you gotta yeah. be fun and uh, and I consider myself to be sort of a fun-loving guy. So if that comes out in a broadcast, I think that's a I think that's a good thing. I think the the more comfortable I get, the more my personality comes out. And obviously, you want the game to shine because it's not about me. Yeah. But at the same time, I think it's important that the the listeners know who you are a little bit and know what kind of personality you have. So yeah, if it comes out and it maybe it makes you chuckle a little bit. So be it. I think that that's all right. But people will remember it. Exactly, and and remembering is half the battle. Yeah, I mean it's it's the same way with us in the production room. If we took our job seriously, we would kill each other. <laughs> yeah. So you have to make the job fun, and like you said, even though our team isn't the greatest, we still have fun doing what we do, and that's the important thing. Yeah, the easiest job for a broadcaster, not not necessarily if you have a good team, uh, which I still think this Blue Wahoos team is good. I believe in that. So even though they've they're below 500 at the moment, but I think that you you have to realize at a certain time when when that needs to come out. Like if it's at the end of the game and it's close, a lot of times you don't need the miscellaneous facts you looked up. I've I've noticed that the best thing that can happen for you as a broadcaster is that you don't have to use most of your information because one you've done so much prep and two the game is so good that there's no need for that other information yeah. because you're so in tune and focused on what's happening on the field. It's so good that it kind of just plays out itself, and you don't need to be like, well, Juan Silverio has um, this interesting little tidbit about him. No, it's you're really focused on the game because yeah. he's got an opportunity to do something in a close game. So that's that's the most that can be the best thing that happens to you. But at the same time, at certain points in a broadcast, you do you just have to you have to have fun with it. Otherwise, it's just why would why would people listen to you? It, what what are sports supposed to be about? I know that you know some people take them as the Bible in a way, but at the same time, it's an escape, an outlet yeah. for people. So if you're not if you take yourself seriously and a thing that people hit a little ball for a sport, mm-hmm. I mean that's yeah. dumb. <laughs> yeah, I I totally agree with that. Uh, another thing I wanted to ask you because you seem to be a very uh, well cultured individual. You've mentioned your love of theater. Yes. Where where did that where did that come from? I don't know. You don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. My, you know, my sister has a pretty good singing voice. Uh, my dad is god awful. My mom, she's got, she's got that like kind of soft. She's not you know belting anything out, but you know, maybe she had some talent under underneath somewhere. But I, I don't, I don't really know. Um, no one else really in my family, or even like extended family that I know, is is really into that sort of thing. But. I'm not sure, and I, I think it's pretty funny. I, I mean, how many? We were talking about this the other day. How many? How many sports broadcasters out there enjoy musicals and plays yeah. and you know stuff like that? I mean, it's it's not a lot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I would say that the number is small. But that that's the cool thing about you, though, is that you have such a wide variety of interests that you can yeah talk I, about really anything with anybody. Yeah, and I think that's. A, 
I think that's important. Like you said, I think that's an interesting. There's plenty of people that grew up and they were like, I, I ate and breathed sports growing up, and I know this, that, and that's that, and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, I, I like sports a lot growing up, and I watched Sports Center every morning or whatever, and I watched every game every night, or but I also wanted to go to New York and watch a Broadway musical, you know? And so, I don't know, it was in sixth grade I did a, a, a musical, or actually I guess fifth grade I did a show, um, and that was kind of the start. I, I liked that. And then, and then in seventh and eighth grade, I kind of, I, I was really serious into soccer. I was playing on state ODP teams, which is just like, like an all state team of, or whatever. And so I, I was into soccer. I was starting to drop other sports. It was, I, I thought in my, to myself in eighth grade, there's no way I'm going to do theater, this and that. I'm not going to be in choir. I want to do, I want to play sports. I want to play soccer. I want to focus on that. And then, I don't know, something just changed. I had played soccer for so long, I, I was sort of burnt out on it. And I quit my soccer team in January. And there was a audition for the musical in February. And I auditioned and I, I was the only freshman boy that made it. And I just kind of... That was my first real experience with it, and I, I don't know. I just enjoyed it. It's just so it's so different, and theater people are great because they're pretty open. There's a lot of interesting people that do theater, and um, and I think that the biggest thing is that it's just, it's just open. Um, I think that if I could go back and tell, like, my freshman year self, I would say this is oh, it comes back to being yourself. I don't know if that sounds so that sounds so cliche. Like go back and tell your high school self one thing: be yourself. Like that is so yeah <laughs> that is so cliche. But I feel like you spend so much of your life as a high schooler and a middle schooler attempting to please everyone and and fit in. Mm-hmm. And it just the, the great thing about theater is you can really just be you know whoever you want to be, and for the most part everyone's going to accept that about you. And so I think that that's one thing that's really nice is that those, the theater people accepted me for being a theater guy and loving sports and wanting to, you know, play volleyball and this and that and the other thing. And so I just, um, I just, I, I, I auditioned, I really liked it. And then, you know, I, I wanted to work on that too. And, and yeah, I, I had a great time doing, doing theater and choir in high school. I think that was, that was a lot of fun. And, and I don't know. I don't know. Maybe one day somehow I get back into something like that, but we'll we'll see. I don't know. I've been out of the game a little bit now. <laughs> <laughs> Have you been to New York to see a musical? Yeah, a few, a few. I guess more than a few. But um, yeah, I love, I love going to a show. Um, I always think it's funny because you know you pay for a Broadway musical and it's it's expensive, um, but it could be just as expensive as going to see. Uh, a playoff game of any sort. But when you go to a Broadway musical, you know what's going to happen. You're going to get, if not the very best, then a secondary actor, an understudy that's incredible. Yeah. And you're you're paying maybe $150, but you know exactly what you're getting. And it's going to be great mm-hmm. I mean, for the most part. Obviously, you can go to a show that you don't like, but if you know what you're going into, it's going to be great. Yeah. You could pay $200 to go see your team get beat down in the playoffs and be mortified mm-hmm. 
and, and never want to watch sports. And again. never want to watch sports again. And but that's what's so funny is like, people love sports, and sometimes you ask yourself why do we do this to ourselves? Because you can be just completely mortified, or you could go see a Broadway show, and you know what? It's gonna be great, nine times out of ten, and you're gonna love it. Whereas you could go see a, a baseball game. And you could lose 10-0, but the reason why people like sports is because you could go to a game on a Tuesday in the middle of July and you could see a guy throw a perfect game. You know yeah. what I mean? And that and and that's something you don't get with with theater. Um, yeah, is yes, live theater. You know, it's a little bit different than a movie where something different can happen or whatever. But the the amazing to the mundane it's so fluid when you yeah. go to to a sporting event so I, I know i know that's why people love it because that's why i love it but sometimes i think to myself man wouldn't my life be so much less stressful if i didn't hang on every whim of of every pitch of every you know basket shot on every whatever um and, and so i don't know i think sometimes it's nice for me to step outside the sports culture and the sports yeah. world and just be able to enjoy something like a, a movie or a, a show or a play or whatever. No, that's that's actually a really good thing. Because even if it's something you love, you can get burnt out on it. And yeah. it's good to have that escape. I think so. I mean, I think if anything, anytime when you're doing something almost 24-7, you need sort of an escape. So it's nice to have interests outside of, outside of sports. But yeah, I don't know. I th- I I just always come back to. It. I just think it's funny. I don't know. I don't know why I'm like this way. But there's just there's definitely not a lot of people that have. I always joke because my dad's pretty similar to me, which I I really don't know how he was like this because, you know, my my parents were pretty open to me learning a lot of different things. Um, but like that's not how he really grew up. So I don't I don't really know how he came to love. This kind of stuff. And I was like, Dad, you know, we should create a radio station where we talk about sports and musicals. <laughs> it's like, no that, one's going to listen to that. That would, that would be very interesting for sure. <laughs> and that's Derek's way of saying no one would listen to that. No, seriously, totally if, cool, no, they no, no, seriously, if there was a commercial on that said we're going to be talking sports and Broadway musicals, I would think that sounds interesting. I'm gonna <laughs> it listen sounds to interesting, it. but the... The the ratings for that it's like it it literally reaches out to like point zero one of the pers- the population in the United States and that's it's, I think that's what's nice because I feel like I'm a little bit unique because of that. Oh, that's that's a good thing. You mentioned movies. What kind of movies are you into? Gosh, or what what are what are some of your favorites? I can do, I can do just about anything. I love, I can, I can love sci. I like sci-fi. I like comedies i don't really think i think something that makes me feel bad is i don't really have that thing that i know everything about you know some people can tell you we know someone that can tell you everything about star wars or something like that you know what i mean or knows everything about um goodfellas and mob movies or something like that yeah and for me i like a lot of a lot of different things and i can i can get just as excited about the new Spider-Man 2 or the new um, The Last Hobbit movie as I can about when like American Hustle was coming out, mm-hmm. which was not as good as I was hoping it was going to be, but 
I I can get just as excited about you know elves and spaceships and yeah. you know, Lord of the Rings as I can about some of the best actors on the planet just sitting in a room and just freaking acting like yeah. that is that sometimes that is just as good as anything else. So I don't know. I think I'm weird in that way that I I'll get just as excited for you know I, like I was really excited for the Wolf of Wall Street to come out mm-hmm. um, just because I was hoping it was going to be the next like great movie i'm I'm always wanting to see the next great movie yeah i think that's i think that kind of goes with sports too where we're always wanting to anoint the next guy as the one because we want to be the one that said we saw him play and no one are at my age once anymore for the most part wants michael jordan to be the greatest ever because they want to be able to say i watched lebron james be the greatest ever or you know I was 20-whatever when the best movie of all time. I think there's something yeah. to be said about that. You always want it to be... That's a great point. Yeah, to, you want to be there to see like the greatest, and you want it to be your generation's movie. You know, there are fantastic movies from, you know, I said Goodfellas, or you know, like Pulp Fiction, which I love. But, you know, it's not my movie. It's not yeah. my generation's movie, which is why we, um, you know, we want... The, the next movie to be so great because we want it to be our movie. So uh, yeah, I can I can get excited and I can be happy watching. Yeah, you know, like I, I think I went and saw American Hustle, the second Hobbit movie, and The Wolf of Wall Street all within like two weeks of each other this last winter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I liked them in different ways, but I I enjoyed my movie experience mm-hmm. either way. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's actually a good point about how people your age want to say we saw this person become the greatest athlete or Mm -hmm. saw this become the greatest movie. The biggest example I can think of, because I mean, I'm not extremely too much older than you, but I'm a good, you're 21, right? Correct. Okay. So I'm six years older than you. The biggest example I can think of is the first matrix because people like your age or a little bit younger will say, oh, it's not that great. It's one of those things that you had to watch it when it came out to appreciate what it was because it was so groundbreaking with the special effects and yeah. whatnot. So that, I, I get completely what you're saying. I think that's probably similar to the original Star Wars, wouldn't you think, too? Because, yeah. I, I mean, I love them, but they're they're great, but the people that saw them went to the theater and, and were looking forward to the new ones back then that are, I guess what you would say, like middle 30s at this point, 40s, in that range. They, that was, that was groundbreaking. Mm-hmm. And so similarly, I would, I, I guess you'd say with the Matrix or, or whatever, if, you know, for, for each new thing it's going to mean something different to other people so i right I, I, that is that is really interesting i don't know why i don't know why we always feel like we need that though yeah you know why why do we why can't we just i think it's because it every, for what it is because everybody wants to feel a part of something or yeah. they witness something so I, I think that has a lot to do with it i think it's the same with we live in a culture nowadays where because of social media, I feel like everything needs to immediately be dissected. Like if if the, and it's sports, it's movies, it's whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, like American Hustle, I think is actually a good example. It's a pretty well known movie, so people have seen it. So was it the greatest movie? No, great acting, fantastic mm-hmm. acting. But 
we almost expect every every new movie that you know Martin Scorsese does or David O. Russell for American Hustle, and with those certain actors, we expect it to be the next great thing. And if it's not, then we immediately poo-poo it and say that it was it was not that great. When you know, in fact, it was it's a good movie. It's not great. Why can't we just enjoy it for what it is? And that kind of goes back to why I like. Like, we're going to see Spider-Man 2. I would love to have this conversation after we saw Spider-Man 2. But we're going to go see that, and it's not going to be as good as I want it to be. <laughs> I can already tell. I, I, I'm right there with you. But I think I'm going to enjoy it still. And so sometimes you just have to be able to sit back and be like, not everything in the whole world can be the greatest product of all time. And you just hope that they don't screw it up <laughs> entirely. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. And the, the last thing I wanted to ask you, and it's, Per request of Ad- Mr. Adam Waldron, oh, <clears throat> where did your love of Mulan come from? <laughs> we we have we have this running gag up here where Joey will randomly sing, "Let's get down to business to defeat the Huns." Yeah, I don't know. Um, I think it's mostly because it's really easy to walk into the room and say, "All right, guys, let's get down to business." <laughs> And then it just naturally follows to defeat the Huns. You know, I'm never, 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 ever going to hide my heart. You know what I mean? So I feel like, why hide that? No, I'm so lucky to work with, I'm so lucky to work in an environment that they allow me to sing. I sing an inordinate amount um, just, just at all the time. And I can only imagine how obnoxious it is because. I, no, it's all I, good. No, Derek, you don't have to lie anymore. Okay. <laughs> Everyone knows it's obnoxious, and I'm lucky that they put up with it. Um, but I don't know. I, I wouldn't even put Mulan like in my top five Disney movies either. Really? I know. But you just I, love the song. That song is great, and and I don't even. There's something about where we work because I didn't even sing it that much before I got here. But there's something about I always feel like we gotta get down to business. All right, it, let's get down to business, and then. Once you say that, you have to say to defeat the Huns. It just it just rolls off the tongue too naturally. So, yeah, that's a sorry sorry I can't I can't give more into the psyche of uh, Joey. <laughs> I'm glad that I just talked to third person finally on this. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like people are gonna listen to this and they're like, "Wow, what a jerk!" He talked about himself a lot during this thing. Well, I mean, that's the point of having you on. I know, but still. Like, ah, uh, he, he's kind of boring. But see, <laughs> this upcoming week, you can actually use that song because we're playing the Jacksonville Suns. Suns. And you can say, to Let's defeat the Suns. Let's get down to business to defeat the Suns. Yeah, I like that, actually, a lot. And, and if I don't use it on the air, you can call me a coward <laughs> to my face. Well, you've, you've got five chances to <laughs> do it, so... I mean, now it's rolling through my head how we could use it. It's it's definitely good. I would love to see Tommy's face when you do that. <laughs> but, hey, listen, no, who cares about those statistics? Don't turn that radio dial. That's another favorite yeah. of mine. Um, let's get down to the vi- business and defeat those Suns. You know what? Because th- they're gonna need to. <laughs> they're, gonna, <laughs> they're gonna need to defeat the Suns for sure. Yeah, definitely. Well, Joey, thanks for coming on the show. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. I'm so. I hope. I hope I. Uh, I hope I am good enough that I can be invited back someday. Oh, for sure. For sure. Maybe uh, towards the end of the season, we can do a 
a Blue Wahoos press box staff I podcast. I think that's almost a necessity. You said it on the air, and I'm going to hold you to that. I think that if All we right. get the whole press box in here, there could be some serious antics going on on the Derek Diamond experience. That would be such a cluster, but it would, <laughs> but it would be great. A great cluster. Yes, it would be. Oh, man. <laughs> All right, everybody, that'll do it for the show this week. Once again, I would like to thank Mr. Joey Trincali coming on for that really fantastic interview slash conversation. Again, that's why I love doing this show is because of conversations like the one you just heard. Next week, we will be going to the world of conventions with Ryan Eaton, who is one of the founding members of a new convention that's coming to Pensacola called Pensacola Bowski. So, All of you Big Lebowski fans should definitely tune in next week, as I'm sure we'll be discussing the movie itself as well. And don't forget, you can follow the show on Twitter at DDiamondExp, and you can follow me personally on Twitter at Derek underscore Diamond, and also find us on Facebook at The Derek Diamond Experience. And I hope you all have a good week, and I will see you next Monday. (laughs) 